Welcome to this Innovation Forum podcast. I'm Ian Welsh. Joining me today is Rupert Day, who's the Farmer Livelihood Advisor for Cargill Cocoa and Chocolate. Welcome to the podcast, Rupert. Thank you. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Cargill's work in the cocoa sector and thinking about farmer livelihoods in particular. This all comes under the Cargill Cocoa Promise. Rupert, what is the Cargill Cocoa Promise and what's it trying to achieve? The Cargill Cocoa Promise is our commitment to cocoa farmers and their communities and looking to enable them to achieve better incomes and living standards whilst growing cocoa sustainably. The Cocoa Promise also serves as the delivery vehicle for our sustainability programming. It's active in all of our origin countries, which is Brazil, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana and Indonesia. And how does this link into Cargill's overall sustainability strategy then? Cargill itself has a global commitment to improve farmer livelihoods and our work in cocoa is very closely aligned to that. Cargill globally works alongside farmers to increase economic, social and climate resilience of farming households and we've set a global goal to provide training on sustainable agricultural practices and improve access to markets for 10 million farmers by 2030. For the cocoa sector then, how do you categorise the need for broader rural development strategies to help scale the capacity within the cocoa sector itself? How does it fit in with the kind of broader picture? We within the Cocoa Promise implement a holistic approach to improving income for cocoa farming households and farmer livelihoods is one of our key sustainability goals. Within that, we look to empower farmers to become agripreneurs who can maximise farm profitability and manage their farms as businesses. Now, as part of that holistic approach to ensure that farmers are able to build resilience to shocks and also sustainably increase their incomes, we really feel that there needs to be a closer alignment between our own investments and the investments of the cocoa sector in general and broader capacity development strategies that governments and development partners are developing to make sure that there's a stronger enabling environment for cocoa farming households to thrive in a strong rural economy. Why we see that as so important is that we really feel that there is an opportunity to crowd in other industries and other commodities in cocoa growing areas to capitalise on investments that we as Cargill are making, but indeed also our competitors, our brand customers, and also our development partners to really help professionalise smallholder producers and their member organisations. You mentioned shocks just now, resilience to shocks. What sort of shocks impact smallholder farmers? Smallholder farmers in general, then specifically in Cocoa? Smallholder farmers in general, I'm, I'm sure you, your listeners are also aware of some of the shocks that smallholders will face, such as weather, maybe personal tragedy, such as a loss of a family member. There are requirements around investments at household or community level, um, but also specifically within Cocoa, pest and disease is a big issue that we see. And also price shocks, of course, as well, especially in the economic climate we find ourselves in today. The risk of a price spike or price drop leaves cocoa farming households that are predominantly focusing on growing cocoa as their main source of income can leave them quite exposed to those types of shocks. And then what can you do to help then on on terms of price shock? What we as Cargill push to do is we implement this holistic approach that I mentioned earlier, and that basically within Farmer Livelihoods focuses on four main areas. We do focus on making sure that farmers are able to maximise the profitability and productivity of their cocoa farms, first and foremost. And we do that through our training and coaching approach, which we roll out to all farmers within the Cargill Cocoa Promise. We also help facilitate access to resources, cocoa-focused inputs, but it's also access to information and indeed access to finance to enable the investments necessary at farm level. We also work on skills development, so financial and business management skills training to help households manage and grow more diverse incomes. And then as part of that, and indeed around this piece on resilience to shock and smoothing incomes, is we work a lot on income diversification. So looking at what opportunities there are on and off farm for cocoa farming households to diversify their incomes and work on viable opportunities to really build household resilience to those shocks and also increase their incomes in a sustainable manner. What typically are the income streams that cocoa farmers can diversify into? 
It's actually one of our biggest challenges is identifying really viable opportunities here that we can help scale. And it's certainly something, as I mentioned earlier, on this need for a bit more of a joined up approach that we think that to move beyond informal markets such as food crops and small livestock, etc., and actually help smallholders move into more than one structured supply chain is a really big challenge. That's for a number of reasons. I mean, as we as the cocoa sector know, rural infrastructure in cocoa growing areas is generally quite poor. There are generally limited opportunities for scaling approaches to providing opportunities for cash crop production and sale. One of the key growth areas I think we see is, is how we as the cocoa sector can work with government and development partners, but also other areas of the private agriculture sector to identify what these opportunities look like and how indeed we can help smallholder farmers and farming organisations work towards those. What have the, been the barriers then to that cross-sector collaboration that you mentioned? I mean, it's always been something that we've been talking about for some time, but it still feels like there's not a lot of it going on. So what are the kind of barriers and how can they be got around? From the cocoa sector's perspective, I think one of the key barriers is competition and competition in the sense that we know that sustainability in the cocoa sector is increasingly important for our customers, for consumers and for the development organisations that support us. And with that in mind, it can be that sustainability programmes and ideas become a bit of a competitive asset. And I think what we need to move beyond there is to work out what's actually been working for ourselves as the cocoa industry, but indeed for other sectors, and what opportunities are scalable in a viable manner. For me, that's one of the key barriers is that we really need to have a bit more of an open conversation around what strategies are being tried, what hasn't worked, and indeed what has worked and what what elements of approaches have worked and how we can scale those as an industry, but also supported by other key stakeholders. So much of this is about ensuring continuity and stability of supply in the long term. And if we don't collaborate to achieve that, then everyone's going to be impacted and have significant life shocks potentially in the future. Obviously, multi-stakeholder initiatives, big part of this sort of development, these sort of initiatives, this sort of progress. What multi-stakeholder initiatives are you involved with at the moment? Firstly, I think we see Dutch initiatives as a really essential part of what we do, both for collaborative action, building common understanding, and also, as I've just said, around this practical learning piece. So we're involved in a number of multi-stakeholder initiatives, such as the Cocoa and Forest Initiative, World Cocoa Foundation, European Cocoa Association, and the EU member state ISCO Sustainable Cocoa Initiatives. We Our reliance on these or our interest in these is demonstrated by the fact that, yeah, we're involved as a steering committee member in, in many of these. We're in various technical working groups and we're an active participant in workshops and events that these multi-stakeholder initiatives put on. What's the, been the progress on the Cocoa in the Forest Initiative? I mean, it launched with a great deal of excitement a few years ago. In fact, being a true multi-stakeholder initiative involving the governments of Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire, all the right NGOs were involved, all the right businesses and companies in the cocoa sector were involved. What's the progress been like? So I think one of the key pieces of progress that the CFI has made is finding this common language and analytical framework for us as an industry linked in with the work that WCF had done already through Cocoa Action. So having this clear M&E framework is a really key piece of progress because what it's helping the industry do is speak the same language and report on the same KPIs to enable a common analysis of progress. The next step is to assess indeed whether we are seeing progress and if so, what pieces of the progress have been most impactful and how can we scale those specific pieces of the initiative. We're coming up to the next rounds of action plans and roadmaps for CFI. So we as Cargo will be putting together our own towards the end of the year. And I think it'd be really important to reflect on what has worked in this first phase of CFI and what our vision is on the next four to five years. Strikes me that it's important to remember that fast progress is not something that's going to happen. It's going to take some time to get this right. If the Cocoa in the Forest initiative is going to achieve what it set out to do, then it is inevitably going to take some time to get all the detail lined up. And it's good to hear that progress is indeed being made. More broadly, what are the characteristics of a good multi-stakeholder initiative? So I think that it being an open forum is 
first and foremost, what's most important, because I think we need a clear and open space to discuss challenges, successes and common goals. Having a range of voices in the room is very important. It shouldn't just be a talking shop for industry to talk through the issues we're having. It should also be an opportunity for other voices to come in and raise solutions or experience on a broader level. And I do think there's a risk if multi-stakeholder initiatives don't include organisations that aren't necessarily just involved in cocoa. I think there's a risk of it being a bit of a bubble or a bit of an echo chamber. And also what I really think is important is this willingness to look under the carpet of some of the initiatives that we're doing, really thinking about what has worked and what hasn't worked and being really frank on where we haven't succeeded and really bringing those concrete examples to these types of forums and being willing to share where we haven't succeeded and where our investments could have been put to a more effective use. And really moving beyond sustainability programming, being a a competitive asset and really just seeing how we as an industry are helping to move the needle and seeing how our own experience as an individual company or organisation can benefit others in a positive way. It does feel that there is increasingly an acceptance that talking about the failures of the past, where things haven't worked well and why, is in fact a very good way of taking things forward in a better way. Very much the way that the solutions of the future can be found. Do you get the sense that there's a greater acceptance of that and realistically people being happy to share where things have gone wrong? Yes, from the more recent events that I've attended, certainly, I think that as we move towards trying to have a bit more of a common understanding of what approaches we should be implementing within COCO, I think that's also fed by the fact that this more holistic and to use an IDH phrase, smart mix approach to intervention um, implementation around working in COCO, but also working on these other income levers that we really see as necessary to push progress on our collective goals and also to push progress on the impact that we want to see at smallholder level and smallholder organisational level level, that the opportunity to speak more frankly and indeed talk about the pilots or the innovations companies are trying either independently or as a collaborative piece. I really do feel there's some positive momentum there. I mean, I also do feel that it's not necessarily useful for us to just talk about the fact that some of our interventions haven't worked because it can be a little bit reductive in a sense. But I really do think that we need to identify which aspects of them have worked and indeed how we pull those pieces together into a bit more of an effective programme. With all that in mind, what will constitute success for the Cargo Cocoa Promise as we go forward and how are you tracking progress? I think success for the Cocoa Promise is that our suppliers are able to manage their farms and businesses, they're able to support their families and they're able to contribute to their communities and they're able to produce cocoa and other products in a sustainable way and become part of a thriving cocoa sector. We have that as our long-term vision, but of course we need to think about what impact we're having in the short term and indeed how we can analyse whether our approaches are having the impact that we would like. Now, we track progress in a number of ways, but primarily we do that through the collection and analysis of quantitative and qualitative data, both at farmer community and also farmer organisational level. And we mainly do that through surveys on a one-to-one basis on an annual frequency. We then use that information and we analyse it predominantly in-house using our data analytical capabilities. And we use that analysis to influence our sustainability programming, whether that be us as Cargill or indeed what we discuss with our customers around where we think their investments would be best put to achieve the impact at farm organisation level that we would like to see. We also work with organisations like IDH to assess the effectiveness and impact of our approaches and again, try to gain better insights into how we can iterate our programming from an operational and a technical perspective to achieve the goals that we want to achieve in the long term. It should be great to hear more about Cargo Cooper Promise and particularly what you're doing around smallholder livelihoods. It's always interesting to hear the detail because there's always so much there. But for now, Rupert Day from Cargo, thanks very much. Thanks, Ian.